Welcome to City Church. City Church is a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Twelve days till Christmas. Mixed response, mixed reaction to that. Twelve days to Christmas. How many of you are all prepped and ready, wrapped, purchased, ready to go? No? How many of you have not even, you didn't even know it was 12 days till Christmas until I just mentioned it and your stomach went, oh, goodness. Well, anyway, Christmas is coming and it's an exciting time of the year. And I know pastorally, it's always a great time where we get to really focus on the person of Jesus and why he came. And this morning's no different. And so this morning, I'm continuing in the sermon series entitled Incarnation. And uh, if I had to subtitle it, I would title it Joseph and Mary's Son. Joseph and Mary's Son. But each week, I make sure we review the definition or the working definition of incarnation as we talk about God taking on flesh we find that incarnation in Webster's is titled this way, incarnation invested with bodily and especially human nature and form. That's what incarnation is, invested with bodily and especially human nature and form. Now what we're going to do this morning is we're going to read from the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to begin reading in verse 1, or chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, and it's very interesting to note that the Gospel of Matthew is the first Gospel, it's the first book of the Newer Testament. And right out of the gate in the Gospel of Matthew, we begin to read about this child. This child who will step into the world and is extremely singular and unique. We read about this right as you crack open the Newer Testament. So what I want us to do, as we've been doing the past several weeks, I'm going to ask that you would read out loud with me the scriptures, because there's something about reading the scriptures out loud that I think helps to kind of place it in our heart. So are you ready? Are we ready? All right, let's read. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, last week I preached from the Gospel of Luke. 
Luke's gospel gives us the perspective of Mary, the mother of Jesus. This week, we're looking at the gospel of Matthew, which brings us Joseph's perspective. Now, interestingly, if you were to line up the two events, if you were to take Luke's account that focuses on Mary's perspective, and then take Matthew's account, which focuses on Joseph's perspective, you would see some amazing differences. Amazing. Now, the similarities are some of the things we're going to talk about this morning. But the differences are quite profound. First of all, Mary gets excited, she's joyful, and she even sings a song. Joseph never says a word. He never utters a sound. Nothing. Mary talks, sings. Joseph, nothing. The other thing that you would notice is, is that if you were to put them side by side, again, there's some common things that are very factual about Jesus. Again, we're going to deal with some of those in a moment. But what you would discover is, if you put them side by side, whereas Mary is outward, Joseph tends to be inward. He's introspective. You get the sense that he is thinking, that he is somber, and he's introspective. Now, with that in mind, it is true that Matthew tells the exact same incarnation story that Luke does, but because of kind of the temperature of it and the way the story goes with Joseph, I want us to be somber, introspective, and very thoughtful about what the angel says. I want us to do that. Now, it's no mystery that a husband and wife can enter into the same experience and leave with different perspectives. I've been married for 30 years, and it is astounding to me, as a husband, how I can walk into an event and Franny can be there by my side, and her response is the polar opposite of mine. Never ceases to amaze me. And that's not really about gender differences. It's just about life, how she receives and perceives things similarly. Now, at the outset, some would say that's the difference between Mary and Joseph's response. And what I would say is that's not true. It's not true. What is true here is the fact that the angel of the Lord, or the Lord, it's positioned as both in the dream, that the Lord or the angel of the Lord brings about specific things that Joseph has to deal with. He's got to deal with them. He's got to be introspective about them. He's got to be thoughtful. And the angel tells him what he needs to know. Now, the first thing that is mentioned is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. The scripture tells us that the Lord comes to Joseph in a dream and says, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In other words, he knew she was pregnant. He knew it. And the angels letting her know him know how the conception happened. Now, if you remember from the Gospel of Luke, the angel told Mary prior to it happening, Joseph's finding out after the fact. Now, what we discover is 
is that the Lord or the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and says, look, you know Mary, she's with child, and Joseph, what you need to understand is most likely this is the case, what she's been telling you is true. You haven't believed her. She knows she's conceived, and the angel told her it was the conception of the Holy Spirit. And now, Joseph, you need to know what she's saying to you is true. But the other thing we need to be aware of, and this is where I want us to be introspective and extremely thoughtful. First of all, this child's conception is actually the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, please know that the work of the Holy Spirit's not foreign in Judaism. It's found from the creation story in the book of Genesis chapter 1 throughout the Older Testament. But the claim that the Spirit of God has now conceived a child is crazy. You got to know this. You imagine if you're Joseph and you're sitting there and this data is uploaded to you. This is crazy. You're familiar with the work of the Holy Spirit in creation, the work of the Holy Spirit with Israel. But now all of a sudden you're being told that the girl you're engaged to has conceived by the Spirit. I don't care who you are, that's crazy. It just is, it's crazy. But also know that in that, there's the announcement of the incarnation. Joseph, Mary's son, is the incarnation of God. He's conceived of the Holy Spirit. And oh, by the way, one of the reasons why I personally think the Gospel of Matthew is first in the Newer Testament instead of Mark or John is here's why. You get to the end of the Gospel of Mark and you think to yourself, wow, what's the deal with this guy? You get to the end of the Gospel of John and you think, wow, what's the deal? And you never knew about the incarnation. You never knew about how he was conceived. I think that's why Matthew's up front. Because you begin there, and then when you get to the end of the Gospel of Matthew, you're constantly thinking about, this guy's like no other guy. Look, all of us who are parents, who have children, we've either experienced this ourselves, or we've been in the company of other parents where there's a child that's exceptionally gifted. Whether it's athletically, musically, theatrically, whatever it is, just extremely gifted. And as parents gather around, and they look at the trajectory of that child, guess what parents ask each other? You know, is there some secret? Like, your kid just whooped my kid on the soccer field, and you need to, like, fill me in. Like, what have you done? Like, what about your child? How come your child? And as parents, if that ever happens to us, we always accept more of the credit than we should. You just go, well, let me explain, and you... In the end, you're as amazed as the other parents are. You're like, wow, I don't know, skipped a generation. I don't know what to tell you. But the idea is, is that when you look at the trajectory of Jesus, if the Newer Testament began with the Gospel of Mark that never tells us about the nativity, you'd get to the end and you'd go, what? What about him? So the Newer Testament begins with the first story of Jesus being this. He's conceived of the Spirit of God. He's conceived of the Spirit of God. That's where his story begins. Now, you also have to understand that when Matthew is writing to Jews and he's a Jew, 
that the stories of gods intermingling with humans and having babies aren't rare. Greek gods are conceived this way. Other nations have a similar story, but this understanding is foreign to Judaism completely. Completely foreign. And now what we have is we've got Joseph who's engaged to Mary, and the angel begins to talk to him about the fact that the Holy Spirit has now conceived a child through a human being, and oh, listen, that happens to be your fiance, Mary. What we clearly know is no Jew was looking for this. Even though Isaiah 7.14 forecasted it, no Jew's looking for this. This is inconceivable to them, no pun intended. It's inconceivable to them. And yet here we have the angel coming to Joseph. Now, what we have in our story is the angel comes to Joseph, and if you read the Newer Testament properly, you have to put yourself in Joseph's shoes. That's how the Gospels are written. So put yourself in his shoes. You're going about life, you're engaged to be married, she's pregnant, and then suddenly the Lord comes to you and says she has conceived of the Holy Spirit. Says that to you. The question is, do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus is the incarnation of God? Do you believe he was conceived of the Holy Spirit? Here's why. That's where his story begins. It begins right there. And so we are called to stand next to Joseph and to hear what the angel says and then decide whether we believe that or not. Do I believe that Jesus was conceived of the Spirit, that he's the incarnation of God? Then what we discover is that the angel goes on to upload or the Lord goes on to upload some more things to Joseph. Matthew 1.21. The angel says to him, She's conceived of the Spirit, and here's what's going to happen next. She will give birth to a son. It's her child, Joseph. She's going to give birth. And you are to name him Jesus. In other words, you're going to have to accept this child. Interesting. So she's going to give birth to a son. Mary will give birth to a baby just like every woman before her ever has. Jesus is fully human but he's also fully God. And the angel says to Joseph, she's gonna give birth to a son and you are to accept him. You are to name him what? Jesus. You're to give him the name of Jesus and here's why. Because he will save his people from their sins. Now we need to think about very carefully what the angel says and do I believe it? Because again, we are called to listen to the angel's announcement about Jesus. First of all, it says the baby will be a male child. It's the first pre-pregnancy test ever. They knew the gender of the baby. It's going to be a boy. Next thing, you will name him Jesus. You don't get to pick. You know, one of the fun things as a parent, if you, when you find out that it's never good to say it this way, that we are pregnant. By the way, Fran was pregnant. And you begin to think about names. 
You begin to go down through names, and you begin to figure out, what are you going to name, boy, girl, but what are we going to, and you go through all of this. There was none of that. There was no getting out the book of baby names. The angel said, this is the name for this child, and interestingly enough, it's Joshua. It's Yeshua. It's Jesus. Same name. Same exact name. And so if you look at the text, you discover that Jesus, Yeshua, and Joshua are taken from the Hebrew word or verb yasha that means to deliver, save, or rescue. Now here's what's amazing. There are a whole lot of kids named Jesus during the time of Jesus. This isn't unique. And here's why. The reason why there were a lot of kids named Joshua was because Israel was captive again to a foreign power. Rome is dominating Israel. And if you were to look to the Older Testament, the most famous story in the Older Testament is the Exodus. It's where Moses leads people from slavery and bondage to Pharaoh and to the Egyptian empire, and he leads them towards the promised land, and he leads them out of slavery, but there's a problem. God says to Moses, because he didn't trust God fully, he will never lead the people all the way. Who leads them into the promised land? Joshua. Joshua completed what Moses couldn't accomplish. And so what you have is, you've now got people naming their kids Joshua because they're being dominated by Rome, and there's the hope that somehow, someway, there's going to be another Joshua. And what will that Joshua do? He will save Israel from the Romans. Just like Joshua saved Israel from the Egyptian empire and Pharaoh. But notice that's not what the angel says. And this would have shocked Joseph. The angel does not say he will save Israel from the Romans. What does it say? He will save his people from what? Their sins. That's shocking. Got to catch what the angel says. We've got a Joshua here, Joseph. You're familiar with Joshua, but what this Joshua will do is going to involve saving people from their sins. And here's why it's shocking. If there were ever people that didn't need saving, it's the Jews. Because they're living by the law. They are God's chosen people. They are the ones that are trying to please God. And yet God says that Jesus will show up and save who? His people, not the Gentiles, not the Romans, but save Jews from sin. That's shocking. So please understand, this is what the angel is saying about Jesus. It's very different than Joseph ever could have imagined. But here's the good news. If you're in sin, he's here for you. If you acknowledge that you've sinned, He's here to save you. He came to save anyone that would acknowledge, I'm a sinner, and I'm stuck, and I need a Savior. What the angel is telling Joseph is so much greater than what Joshua did for Israel in the book of Exodus. What this Joshua is going to do is going to open up the kingdom of God to everyone, anywhere, who knows they're in sin and they need help. That's why he's here. Now what happens next is pretty incredible. Because what Matthew's been doing up until this point is he's just reporting. He's reporting the conversation between Joseph and the Lord. 
But now he inserts his thoughts. He inserts his commentary. And here's what he says in Matthew 1, 22 through 23. He writes, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel is a Hebrew term that is two words put together, Emmanuel, which means with us, and El, which is the Hebrew word for God, one of the Hebrew words for God. Put it together, you get Emmanuel, God with us. But if you were to read in Isaiah 7.14, the prophecy that Matthew quotes there, uh, the prophet says something else. Here's what he says. He says, this will be a sign to you. Look for this sign, and when you see it, you know God's up to something. And here's what the sign will be. A virgin is going to conceive. And when you see that sign, what do you know? Emmanuel, God with us. Now, I've been guilty of this as well. But oftentimes, as followers of Jesus and people who read the Bible, we get hung up on the fact that she was a virgin. And it is a big deal. The text talks about it. But you know what the purpose of a sign is? It's to point to something else. So the fact that a virgin has conceived is not the point. It's just the pointer. It's just the sign. All theologians reference signs in the scripture this way. It's when you have a dog and you point at something. What does the dog look at? Your finger. We have a blue tick coonhound. My daughter Jackie rescued her. Uh, Jackie loves the dog more than me. I said to her once, if, you know, Banks and I were in a boat, you could only save one of us, who would you save? She said, don't ask. So the dog's very important to her. Now, I have the dubious distinction of walking the dog every night at 10 p.m. She comes and looks for me at 10 p.m., and I take her out and walk through the neighborhood every night at 10 p.m. But if we're out there, and I want Banks to look at something, and I point at it, what does she look at? my finger. And so I'm going, no, over there. You know, the raccoon is over there. And she just goes like this every time I point. What I'm trying to do is to get her to look at something. And when the virgin conceives and gives birth, that's a pointer. And it's pointing to this, Emmanuel, God with us. So whenever you hear about a virgin conceiving, Isaiah 7.14 says, that's the pointer. And what it's pointing to is all of the human race will be able to say from that event on, God is truly with us. God is truly with us. Now, how do we put feet to our faith? How do we look at what we've learned and what the angel has brought to Joseph? How do we put feet to our faith? Well, Joseph shows us in Matthew 1.24, it says this, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. In other words, he believed. He believed that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He believed that Jesus was Joshua who had come not to set Israel free politically and economically and militarily, because, oh, by the way, you can be free politically, 
economically and militarily and still be in slavery to sin. And so he believed that his Joshua, his son, would come into this world to save people from their sins. So the idea was Joseph believed it. So he takes Mary home. Now here's what's so important and what I want to say next. I meet people who will say to me, Pete, I believe in Jesus, but I don't want to believe the supernatural stuff. I'm uncomfortable with that. You know, TJ, Thomas Jefferson, who we all love, he took his Bible and he cut out everything supernatural. The end of his Gospels has Jesus in the tomb, not resurrected. Well, here's why I want to tell you. The first time you hear about Jesus in the Bible, he is conceived of the Spirit. Jesus is like no other baby ever. Fully God, fully man. And we cannot say we believe in Jesus unless you start there. If we don't start there, Jesus isn't Jesus. He's not Joshua. He's not Yeshua. He's just another kid that was named by that name. But it begins, the gospel story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus begins at Christmas and it begins with this announcement. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And you can only say he's Emmanuel as if he's conceived of the Holy Spirit. The two are intrinsically linked. And so I would challenge us, even encourage us, that we'd be a group of women and men who believe this because that's who Jesus is. The encounter between the angel and Joseph concludes in Matthew 1.25. The gospel tells us some interesting things. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. In other words, he believed. He believed this kid really is that. So he gave him the name. But notice what the text tells us. That eventually, Joseph does consummate the marriage. And the Newer Testament does tell us that Jesus has brothers and sisters. In other words, Mary and Joseph had a normal marriage, but not at the beginning. At the beginning, it's different. And the gospel wants us to know that. The gospel wants to be clear that this child was conceived of the Spirit, not of Joseph. But after he was born, Joseph named him Jesus because he believed what the angel had said about this boy. Would you stand with me as we close? As we close out our time, it would be malpractice for me as a pastor, as we close, to not ask you the question, what do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe he was conceived of the Holy Spirit through a virgin? Do you believe that? And maybe this is the first time you've ever considered it. You've never even really thought about it before. As we now move towards prayer, I'm gonna encourage us to close our eyes to leave our hearts open. And maybe you've been one of those people that has said, yeah, I want to believe in Jesus, but the supernatural stuff, it just... Well, Joseph is your example. Joseph embodies your calling 
to believe that. And so as we stand in front of the announcement of the angel to Joseph, and you, for the first time, are ready to solidify what you believe, or for the first time to truly believe in Jesus being the incarnate Emmanuel God with us, please pray this this prayer with me. A prayer that would go something like this. Jesus, I don't know everything there is to know about who you are, but what I've just heard, what I've just read, I commit in faith to believe that it is true. That Jesus, you truly are the incarnation of God in this world. You were conceived of the Spirit through a virgin. And that begins the trajectory of who you are to me. So Jesus, in this moment, forgive me of my sin. You've come into this world to save people from their sins. Please save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. I repent of my sin. And I ask that you would be my Joshua, my Jesus, and that you would save me. And I pray this, and I believe for this now, in Christ's name, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.